Cancer is an opportunity is so much more than just a hashtag. It's been the mantra of a man whose name has become synonymous with innovation in Adelaide. One of the leading lights of innovation in the city, a group that work intimately with Adelaide's entrepreneurs and startups and connect them with the rest of the world, Rick appeared in our previous podcast in his capacity as ambassador of Adelaide's innovation sector. But today he joins me to share a story that is enormously personal and yet one I am so glad that he's chosen to share with us all. I know the information contained in this podcast can literally save lives. So the impact of this podcast cannot be underestimated. Rick has applied his innovation mindset to his illness and proven that indeed cancer is an opportunity. I hope you enjoy this very special podcast. This very special podcast with Rick Carter from Innovation in the City is brought to you by www.cancerisanopportunity.com. Welcome to another episode of the Dave Stockbridge Podcast. Well, thanks for joining me on the podcast, Rick. It's my pleasure. So, um, so Rick, um, tell us a little bit about your origin story, your, your journey, and um, how it is that you have come about, uh, well, your, your more recent um, uh, thinking around health and balance and diet. Well, I guess um, I was a normal uh, kind of blokey bloke who uh, didn't visit the doctor often or sometimes at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I had not done much in the terms of PSA testing, mm-hmm. um, and I lived a pretty active life, uh, exercise, riding my bike, you know, probably a couple hundred kilometres a week, so I was pretty fit, um, didn't, um, I'm concerned probably about, you know, not a lot of sugar, not a lot of dairy, but apart from that, meat and, you know, the usual stuff. Yeah. So, um, so a traditional Western diet, uh, um, you know, uh, yep. uh, very much so, and, um, and working probably a little bit harder than you should be as well, I'd imagine. Yeah, and, and but never uh, never much the way of prescription medicine. Mm-hmm. Uh, never never really a, um, a headache tablet kind of guy. I, you know, I could count on one hand in the last ten years when I might have had a panadine or any of that kind of stuff. So yeah, I was uh, a pretty fit and healthy guy for my age who didn't worry a lot about um, didn't worry about my health too much or talking to my body, listening to my body. So. Uh, yeah, when I when I was um, well, I guess to give you the give you the the, the, the gory details, mm-hmm. um, I guess it was late last year, um, a little more than a year ago. It was in fact it was um, Melbourne Cup Day oh. of uh, last year. Yeah, um, I uh, woke up with what was uh, diagnosed with uh, an acute urinary blockage which meant I was finding it absolutely impossible to urinate, Yep. Uh, which uh, that old saying, busting for a piss, is um, you found the a painful situation <laughs> to find yourself in. I, uh, I went to my doctor after some hours of this, um, and he referred me to emergency at the Royal Adelaide. Uh, they um, immediately defined what the problem was and uh, put a catheter in and sent me home and... Uh, to have further assessments, and uh, that really started, I guess, the journey. Um, I had an appointment then with uh, with a top urologist because I figured there was going to be uh, some kind of surgery needed, and I'd done I'd done some uh, work in the past in my marketing world with uh, the Da Vinci robot people who uh, make oh, surgical yeah. robots that are used very much in prostate uh, situations. Yeah, um, and. Um, it kind of uh, it kind of started from there. Uh, that that led to um, the suggestion that, um, given that none of the interim methods were working, uh, I was booked in for surgery in um, February um, of this year, um, which was a pretty simple procedure. In fact, I was uh, this was the right Adelaide. I was uh, in many many ways lucky that I went into the public health system because I started at the Royal Adelaide uh, Emergency Department. I've been uh, in that system uh, ever since, Mm -hmm. and I've found it to be a pretty good system. Yep. Um, When you're on the inside, Mm -hmm. 
Um, I, I had a procedure that was, uh, well, I was only on an anaesthetic. I, I looked at the clock as I went out and I looked at the clock as I came back. Yeah. Um, and it was uh, just over half an hour. Uh, and that was uh, to clear the blockage. It was called TERP surgery, um, transsectional urinary something or other, something or other. Mm -hmm. um, I was to stay overnight. So uh, uh, it, was, it was done um, part um, anaesthetic and part um, um, epidural. So I, once mm -hmm. I had kind of some feeling back in my legs, I was allowed to go to a, a room where I was staying overnight. Um, I reckon it was uh, around about seven o'clock that evening. The uh, surgeon walked in the door, um, and you know how sometimes when people come into your space and you can tell there's something wrong. Yeah. Um, he, he had that kind of look on his face that he wasn't there to deliver me good news. Mm-hmm. And uh, he told me he had just dropped into um, the laboratory to look at the. Um, the uh, biopsy that they'd taken in the surgery and uh, he said, you know, there's no easy way to say this, but he said, I'm shocked and amazed, but um, you've got prostate cancer. He said, we saw nothing of this potential in anything we'd done up until now, any of the pre preceding tests um, and even during the surgery. And I said, um, how bad is it? And he said, well, there's a scale of zero to 10 called the Gleason scale and you're a 10. Oh, so that was um, that was pretty hard um, uh, to take. And I asked him some for some advice on what a you know what a ten was, and he said, "Well, it's, that means is at the point where um, it's uh, ready to spread from the prostate. It may, in fact, already have spread." Wow. Um, so where do we go from here? Mm. He said, "Well, we we'll get you in for a PET scan." Um, and that will enable us to see exactly what's happening. And uh, he wandered off, uh, and within uh, probably 15 minutes, um, a young lady called Sophie Otto arrived. She is a prostate cancer specialist nurse, and uh, she has been fantastic um, um, from that moment on. Um, she sat down with me and talked about you know, the options, the likelihoods, explained that, you know, worst case scenario is five years. Um, best case scenario is we get it sorted out. Um, what was the likely thing from here? You know, another urology appointment, um, which would then lead to um, uh, sort of where we go, uh, where we go from here. So, uh, you know, it's a bit, it was a bit hazy from there. Mm. Um, there was a bit of, um, you know, I don't, I don't uh, live with my wife anymore, but uh, we're still really good friends. So um, she was probably the first person I told, or she was the first person I told. Um, and uh, I'm getting a bit shaky. Mm -hmm. um, so, so at this point, I'm guessing, like, there's a million things that go through your mind. You, you know, you're reminded of your own mortality and you, you start thinking about... Uh, all, all the things that you could have and should have done perhaps previously or yep. what you could have done to mitigate um, where you are. Um, and, and amongst the, the chaos of your mind at, at that point, what, uh, was there a point when you could feel yourself clearing from that mindset and start adjusting to, well, I guess your natural default, which is a mindset of, of innovation and, um, and inquiry and, um, uh, and getting things done. Uh, you're very much known for your sense of urgency and your, and your, and your, your, your willpower. Um, so how, how long did it take you to kind of start clicking into your default mode once again? Well, it took a while. I mean, uh, you know, being, being uh, kind of cooped up in a hospital room mm. probably didn't, um, didn't help. Yeah. Because you're kind, of, you're kind of on your own. Yeah. Um, I went through the, you know, the, you know, I was very normal, I guess. Um, why was me? Why me? Um, what does this mean? Where am I going to go? Um, how am I going to tell other people? Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, my um, wife, I think, came in that night. Um, we mapped out a strategy of... Um, you know, let's not say anything to the to the kids. And when I say kids, my youngest is um, in her mid thirties, and her, mm -hmm. sorry, my eldest is in the mid thirties, my youngest is in the mid twenties. Yeah. Um, three girls. 
yeah. uh, two of the live in Adelaide. Mm-hmm. Um, and we kind of agreed we wouldn't say anything until after we'd seen the PET scan and um, we'd seen the oncologist, etc., etc. So that that kind of played out over the next couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, I uh, I met with the urologist um, who went to the PET scan with me, um, and it was a PET scan where I started to figure out where I was going to go with this. Mm. Um, and, and the reason I say that is, is uh, you talk about inquiring mind and whatever, yes. Um, challenging the norms, yes. Um, concerns that the medical profession in general is maybe not looking in all the right places, yes. Um, to give you just a little bit of background on that front, I've been a, a strong believer in uh, nutritional medicine for some years. Mm-hmm. I have done work, I'm fortunate enough to work with a couple of companies, network marketing companies in that space. Um, mainly from a marketing point of view and a couple of times in the, uh, the kind of the associate level, I became very good friends with a man called Dr. Yaroslav Bobolik mm-hmm. along that course. Uh, JB is a highly credentialed um, uh, biochemist. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and, and as a result of being associated with JB for 10 years, who had worked for the Salk Institute and developed drugs, as it turns out, one of the drugs for prostate cancer that I actually use, oh. Small World. Oh. Uh, JB, uh, when he worked in the US with Salk, then went to China, and in China he discovered Chinese traditional nutritional medicine, and as I describe it, jumped the fence. Yeah. Um, so he was a great advisor to me over a number of years. So I was well used to the fact that, in fact, uh, you know, JB kind of uh, put you know traditional medicine and nutritional medicine, whatever, in their, in their place by saying, you know, test your doctor out by going to them and saying, I've got nothing wrong with me, but I want to be as well as I can be. What more can I do? And if they say they don't know, you need to change doctors. No. But he said, like, likewise, um, if you get hit by a bus, don't call your naturopath. Yes. You know, he's, a great, he's a great believer in, in the holistic approach. Yeah. Uh, it sounds, sounds quite J- practical. Well, JB now is uh, a co-founder and the chief scientific officer of a medicinal cannabis company called oh. LeafCan that are... Uh, that are going to be massive. Yeah. Um, so my thoughts immediately started working around um, uh, uh, cannabis. Yeah. Uh, and I spoke, I'd spoken to him as a potential solution. But I go back to um, the PET scan. They, they take you in and they uh, they inject some stuff into you which you've then got to sit there and wait an hour or so while it finds its way around your body. So I asked the, uh, the nurse what was in the stuff they were injecting <laughs> into me. And she said, it's a... You know, it's a solution that has um, isotopes, you know, stuff that they need for the X-ray machines to see. Mm-hmm. But she said it's mainly a glucose, um, uh, a, a glucose solution. Hmm. So I'm, I immediately go, well, they're looking for cancer and they're injecting you with sugar, which feeds the cancer. That kind of, that kind of tells me that if uh, sugar and cancer don't really mix, hmm. so I've started thinking then, okay, nutrition, cancer, okay. God, I need to, I need to look more into this. Um, so we had the we had the consult with the um, this is um, at the oncologist stage at this stage, and he um, tells me all the bad news that uh, you know it's moved outside the prostate. I've now got two significant tumours in my lymph nodes. Um, the whole area is lit up like a proverbial Christmas tree in, in wow. terms of uh, when he showed me the PET scan. So I'm in. Um, I'm in relatively serious trouble. Yes. Um, um, so th- so this is essentially it. almost the worst case scenario. This is, these are all the things you were hoping not to find when you went for this scan. Oh, oh correct. I mean, this is, this is uh, you know, I've, I've, I've got the worst kind of dose of prostate cancer you can get. It's, it's what they call metastasized mm-hmm. and spread. I mean, that's, and that's what you're trying to avoid with, with, uh, with cancer is the metastasism. Mm-hmm. And the, uh, so at that stage, I started to learn everything there was to know about cancer. I Googled everything. I, I TED talked everything. Um, I talked with JB about everything. Um, I was starting to build up a, a knowledge bank. Meanwhile, the oncologist was saying, um, I, I remember these words very well. Uh, he said, because you're pretty fit and healthy, I'm going to throw the kitchen sink at you and we're going to get rid of it. And I said, well, what does that mean? 
he said, oh, we start with this kind of dose of chemotherapy. We do this. And I said, hang on, let's just, let's just slow this down a bit. Let's mm. get one thing clear. For me, chemotherapy is not the first resort. It's the last resort. I said, no, I'm not a believer in filling my body up with dangerous chemicals and hoping for the best. Mm. He said, well, Rick, you've got, to, you've got to understand that it's my job to keep you alive. And I said, yes, a doctor, and it's my job to enjoy the experience. Hmm. So let's so let's work on let's work on the former, and let's talk about the latter uh, later. Mm-hmm. Over the over the course, I've now had um, I've seen uh, seen uh, Dr. Tan, who is a great guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen Dr. Tan um, eight times. Mm-hmm. Uh, the discussion on chemotherapy has slowly gone. Mm-hmm. From I'm going to throw the kitchen sink at you. Uh, we're going to then go to radiotherapy, blah blah blah. To um, I think four months ago, uh, he said, "I suppose that you're not interested in chemotherapy." I said, "No, not the slightest." <laughs> uh, I said, "Chemotherapy to me, doctor, is like um, discovering you got weeds in the in the forest, and you and to get rid of the weeds, you decide to set fire to the forest in the hope that you get the weeds." weeds yeah. <laughs> That's a good analogy. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, my my daughter um, works for a um, a company that's in the nutritional supplement business. So a, a company called Medea. She's a digital marketing manager. When she found out the news, um, which which came after the first consult with Dr. Tan, um, we um, my wife and I decided to take the girls to the pub which is 50 metres from my home, mm-hmm. um, and do the quiz night as a family, like we used to do around the kitchen table. Mm-hmm. Um, the girls thought it was great. We won the, ki- we won the quiz night, no. <laughs> believe it or not. And then I said, well, why don't we go back to my place, at which stage the girls started to get a little edgy. Mm-hmm. So I explained them where we were going, what we were doing, where we were, and that was you know, kind, of, kind of as you would expect. Everybody yep. was a little emotional. Yeah. Um, but my daughter, Nikki, um, is um, really emotional. Yeah. To the point that um, over the next um, uh, two months, three months maybe, um, she lost heaps of weight, like oh. kilograms of weight. Oh. She could actually afford to lose a bit, yeah. and she's ended up looking fantastic for wow. it. She, she lost weight because... Um, she stopped eating. Uh, but in her business, uh, they got a naturopath. Yeah. She went to the naturopath, consulted the naturopath about what I needed to do, who I needed to see. As it turns out, uh, the naturopath's brother is a, is a man called Dr. Dr. Sinclair Bodie. Mm-hmm. Um, Dr. Bodie runs an integrative medicine clinic. Integrative medicine is about, he's a GP, he understands traditional medicine, but he's jumped the fence, he's bridged the gap, he believes in all manner of things from massage to far infrared sauna to nutrition, et cetera, et cetera. And in particular, he's, he understands uh, where cannabis fits in. Mm-hmm. I made an appointment to see him, uh, so I immediately started to get balance into the situation. On one hand, I've got traditional medicine with the oncologist. Um, I've got Sophie as my kind of insider as my prostate cancer nurse and you know, they, they, they are um, uh, they're a godsend mm-hmm. there are only two for the whole of South Australia which is a bit crazy yeah. um, and I'm lucky enough to have the best one hmm. um, and I know that um, so Bodhi um, gave me a whole bunch of advice gave me books to read um, talked about the whole gamut of where I'm kind of at now he, he pointed me on the path uh, and I said everyone now before you're making decisions about anything like cancer and whatever go and see an integrative medicine specialist because they'll look at the whole picture so he talks Mediterranean diet he talks all of those kind of things yep. um, so that was great um, he also um, uh, got me to do a vitamin D test because um, uh, he's aware and it seems everybody outside traditional medicine is aware that low vitamin D is a very significant sign in terms of prostate cancer. Right, okay. Um, the medical profession believes in, in vitamin D so much that you have to pay for the test. It's not it's not approved of under Medicare, so a vitamin <laughs> D test costs you 250 bucks. Wow. Um, that showed I was low in vitamin D, and it also showed that I was low in, uh, in C. 
And Dr. Mm. Bodhi then draws a, a, a kind of a graph where he intersects zinc. You're, you're, you're rating for zinc and you're rating for, um, uh, what the hell is the other one? Uh, um, another metal, might be copper, iron, whatever. Yeah. Um, and shows that that rating is a is significant indicator of where I was at with cancer. Once again, when I when I explained that to the oncologist, um, he said, oh, well, he said, when I went to medical school, the only thing they told us that zinc was for, good for was your skin. Oh. I thought then, well, you know, this is the kind of problem we're dealing with. Yeah. Um, so so Bodhi set me on the path. Um, he also gave me some. Advice. He couldn't prescribe uh, medicinal cannabis for me as much as he would love to because I didn't fit the parameters. I didn't have the pain. I didn't have this. I didn't have that. Uh, but he uh, suggested that I, you know, I should find someone where I can get some uh, CBD oil, yeah. and that may may help. Given I was interested, so it wasn't hard to work find out. But Happy Herbs, who are a um, a franchise around the country, uh, merrily sold CBD oil over the counter. Um, so mm-hmm. I started using CBD oil. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know whether it's legal or not. I assume it's legal. Yep. Um, at the same time, the uh, the oncologist had put me on to hormone therapy, which entails uh, it, hormone therapy is also known as chemical castration. Yep. So that'll give you a pretty fair idea of what hormone therapy does. Yeah. It completely stops your supply of testosterone. And prostate cancer feeds on testosterone. So uh, right. I gradually, I gradually or quickly morphed into a middle-aged woman. Huh. Uh, mood swings, uh, hot flushes, yeah. uh, you name it. The side effects of it are pretty, um, the, the first time I used it, but pretty debilitating. I'm pretty sure that when I went on to the cannabis oil, uh, that helped the symptoms greatly to the point that uh, Dr. Tan, the oncologist, now suggests to his patients who are on uh, hormone therapy and not enjoying it, then maybe I should try uh, cannabis oil. So that was a major breakthrough that I've got uh, a traditional medicine guy uh, listening to some of my advice. Yeah, that's that's huge. Um, so every month I was having these uh, two horrible injections into my stomach, uh, which made me feel very uncomfortable and not well and whatever for a few days. Um and then I, I, I just kept discovering people that have been on this path before, many of whom were scientists, many of whom were medicos, many of whom were uh, people like a guy who runs a podcast and has written a book and whatever called uh, Chris uh, Walk. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he runs, a, 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 I guess, a business mm-hmm. called Crispy Cancer. Mm-hmm. And I tell everybody to start with Crispy Cancer because he talks to all the people that <clears throat> I now take notice of. I did everything that Chris talked about, um, no meat, no dairy, no sugar, um, uh, whole food, plant-based. Um, in the first few weeks, preferably all juiced because that gets uh, it into your system. Uh, a lot of it based around carrots and beetroot. Uh, I mean, the, my, my staple uh, every day in, in a juice or whatever form cooked now or in a salad is um, at least two carrots, at least one large beetroot, and at least uh, a single amount of spinach mm-hmm. or um, or a silver beet or you know one of those things. Yeah. Uh, and and and, a, and at least a le- at least one lemon. Mm-hmm. The, the the key the key factor is to try and keep your body as alkaline as possible because cancer doesn't like alkalinity. Yeah. And cancer really. Um, I could, you know, obviously go on about this for ages, but but the the, the real the real things you need to beat are stress. Um, stress uh, causes uh, inflammation. Inflammation weakens the immune system. A weak immune system is an open door for cancer. So, and in um, a moment of really high stress like this, um, what are some of those strategies that you've employed to overcome uh, what is an overwhelming situation? Well, stress stress is is a mind, body, and soul thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the food we eat creates a lot of that stress mm-hmm. on our immune system. Um, I quickly found out that animal protein is a lot. There is not there is not a reason on God's earth that we eat animal protein. It's actually not good for you. Right. And we've been conditioned over the years that oh, if you don't eat meat, we've got 
absolute bullshit. You, yeah. I mean, the, you get you get far better protein out of out of uh, fresh vegetables. Right. Um, so 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 the stress on your body from the food you eat is one aspect. The stress on your body from what you what you let the voice in, the, in your head tell you yep. is another one. And the external factors of stress, whether that be, um, you know, what, what, I mean, I've got out of my house um, all manner of detergents and uh, washing powders and toothpaste and any of that stuff's got chemicals in it. Just being around some of that stuff is not good for you. So it's a whole mind, body, and soul. I, I had not been, uh, I, I was brought up a Catholic. I'd not been in a church for quite some time. I'd been to church a few times. I mean, I'm not religious by any way, shape, or form, but, um, you know, I've just touched on a, on a few things that I think if I'm doing enough, but certainly understanding um, uh, what meditation is. I was fortunate in my, in my life as a coach of high level of athletes. Uh, we did a lot of work with visualization and meditation and all that, so I'm very akin to how that works. I've done a lot of visualization about talking to my cells and understanding which type of cells I need to encourage and which type of cells I need to kill. And I can sit down and actually see those cells when I visualize it when I'm doing the gardening. I, 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 and I, I enjoy a bit of gardening, uh, not a lot. Uh, when, I, when I pull up a weed, um, it's kind of like, well, there's a cancer cell gone. Yeah. Every time I pluck a weed, that's cancer cells on. Mm. So it just becomes ingrained in your in your daily um, in your daily approach. I discovered a guy called uh, uh, Dr. Bruce Lipton, mm-hmm. uh, who's one of my advisors, if you like. Bruce Lipton is uh, a great uh, proponent and probably the founder, if you like, of epigenetics. Oh yes. And yeah. epigenetics is uh, about how you can reprogram a part of your DNA, mm-hmm. uh, the part of your DNA that was developed by the, the environmental things around you after the age of about seven. Yeah. Um, so I do a lot of the stuff that he does. So I've got a whole bunch of <coughs> of advisors. I, I produce now a regime um, in four pages. If people are interested in that, if they go to my website, um, uh, cancerisanopportunity.com, that's one of my positive factors. Okay, I've got this bloody thing. You know, how do I turn this into a positive? You know, I don't need it to be negative. So I started a website, cancerasopportunity.com, yeah. Facebook page, top page, uh, cancer as an opportunity. People register there. I'll send them the regime out, and, and that talks about, you know, what I do on a daily basis, weekly basis, and who some of these advisors are. But as I said, if they start with Chris Beats Cancer, he points them in all those directions. There's another guy, uh, Dr. Lee, has a great uh, TED talk on... Um, on anti-androgenesis, it's very interesting when you go to your uh, your oncologist and you say, "What do you know about anti-androgenesis?" And he goes, well, uh, "How do you know about that?" Because <laughs> I because I do my research. Mm-hmm. And the sad thing is, so many people, um, you know, when you when you're in that um, oncology area, which is like you are just right outside the chemotherapy suite, I never plan to step in that door. Uh, it's like looking people on a, like looking at people on a conveyor belt. Mm. They are just passing from one to another and they're just doing what they're told. Um, the only advice I give people is not, don't listen to what I do, don't listen to what I say. Um, yes, it's some advice, but take responsibility for your own health and investigate what you think is going to work for you and what's best for you. Um, I, know, I know what works for me. I know that um, over that last eight months, um, uh, my PSA was at 52 when I was diagnosed, it's meant to be less than two. Less than uh, two, know. and you were fifty-two. Yeah, and it's now it's now zero point one three, Z- which is way below uh, normal. Remarkable. Now, now the hormone therapy did a bit of that, a fair bit of it, mm-hmm. because it shuts it off. But I made a decision four months ago to take myself off hormone therapy because I figured vitamin D in large doses was kind of doing what hormone therapy does. Without without the horrible side effects and without completely killing your testosterone, Mm. Um, it was two months before I told the oncologist about this (laughs) because I did my PSA test every month, and after two months he said, "Oh well, the hormone therapy is working really well," and blah blah blah. I said, "You want no secret?" He said, "Yeah, what's that?" I said, "I took myself off two months ago. (laughs) I haven't I haven't had it for nine weeks." Mm. Ah, what are you doing? I said, "I'm using vitamin D." 100,000 international units um, a month taken as a um, as a liquid Um, so investigating things Um, 
my 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 tumours. Um, I was I was wanting to have CT scans every month to see how I was going because the first time I ha- I had one at the same a pretty a month after the the PET scan and it kind of confirmed but not totally mm-hmm. the size of these tumours, which is ten mil or something, which is significant. It's pretty, yeah. Um, but I then kind of realised, well, you know, we were comparing apples with bloody oranges. You know, we've got a PET scan here, we've got a CT scan there. Um, I need to have another CT scan. Mm-hmm. So that was uh, two months after I started my regime and the second CT scan showed those tumours had shrunk by, um, uh, in, one, in one case, 10%, the other 15%. So the medical so fraternity was, were essentially telling you this is about as bad as it gets, preparing yep. you for a worst-case scenario. And yep. you've, just within a matter of months through mindset, investigation, application yep. of a new regime, removing acidity wherever you can, removing um, yep. un- unnat- um, unnatural substances and materials yep. in your household, yep. and um, you've, you've made such a dramatic impact in such a short period of time. Were you, were you expecting it to work as quickly and as well as it did? Yeah, I, be- I believed it would. Okay, yep. Yep. Uh, you, 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 no, you notice I used a different word. Mm. I didn't say I expected it. I said I believed it. Yes. And a lot of what, what I do is about believing. I mean, I had a CT scan. I've had two more CT scans since. I've stopped. I've stopped wanting to have them every month mm-hmm. for two reasons. One is one is the stress and the anxiety leading up to it. Yep. Of what it's going to what it's going to show. That, yes. That is a factor. Yep. Uh, two is I now know the amount of radiation that that you get out of those things and it, avoiding it, that radiation is a bloody good thing to do. Yes. So I, I have not had, I, I went for uh, four months without one. Mm-hmm. I had it, uh, I had one uh, two weeks ago and as I was sliding in and out of that thing, I was visualising what that was going to show. Mm-hmm. I had in my head, this is exactly what's going to come out of this and i got to tell you, I was pretty close, pretty <laughs> close to... Uh, to, uh, to what it said, but that you know that the the, the um, shrinkage was not the ten or fifteen percent, but it was it was around five percent. It was consistent, but you know it's as as I've said to to, to Doctor Tim, as we've agreed, and 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 we've we've agreed that uh, whilst the, everything is going in the direction it's going, we'll just keep doing what we're doing. Yeah. that's right. We don't have we don't have the discussion about chemo. Um, he's agreed that I don't. We don't even consider hormone therapy until January. I didn't have a consult with him uh, this month. I just had Sophie, the nurse, ring me up with the results from the tests. Hmm. Um, the one thing I can't get him to believe is that um, food plays any uh, any effect. And part of that problem is that so many people talk about their dieting and they're only eating fruit and vegetables, they're only doing this and that. And whenever people say to me, like a guy consistently says to me, oh, my brother was a vegetarian and he exercised a lot and, and he still died of prostate cancer. So, you know, yeah. it doesn't, doesn't, it doesn't make a difference. Yeah. And I go, uh, it, it actually is not about being a vegetarian or exercise. It's a matter of finding what works and what's right for you and having and having a regime you stick to. I mean, a lot of people say, I do this, and, you know, when you're not looking, they do that. Mm. Exercise is really, really, really important, mm-hmm. and, uh, and 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 particularly um, if you're doing chemo and whatever, all the stuff I'm saying is even more important if you're doing chemo. All mm. of this works to minimise the side effects of chemo, from what I understand. And I talk to a lot of people who are doing the chemo thing, and, and hey, that's their choice, and that's their thing. I'm happy to give them advice as I am to anybody else because mm-hmm. I'm talking about prevention, I'm talking reversal, and I'm talking about uh, dealing with side effects. Mm. But I believe I believe the big thing I get out of exercise, and, and as, you, as you know, I broke my ankle um, mm. uh, six weeks ago. That slowed my exercise down. But uh, for an old bloke, I managed to have my ankle heal um, inside four weeks. So I, I went to the orthopedic um uh, specialist uh, earlier this week, Monday, and uh, she was amazed that I'd actually chucked the moon boot away a week ago and and, and had walked to the Royal Adelaide from um, from uh, High Marsh Square. Um, so I'm back to doing what I what I've done before, and, I, and and there's two two aspects of that. One, I think my regime it helped the healing, yeah, dramatically, yeah, and the other. 
my mind says if your body knows how to heal a broken bone surely it knows how to heal cancer or any other disease mm. if you allow it to mm. if you give it the right set of tools and that's a, that's become a better metaphor for me so you know once again the broken ankle i've turned into a positive it was yeah. a pain in the ass but it was a positive because i set out to prove i could heal the broken ankle faster than faster than was expected but the other aspect of, of, uh, of um, exercise, and this is a kind of an epigenetics kind of thing, is the exercise is telling your brain that you pretty much don't have a disease. Because how mm. the hell could you be out there riding your bike on two, for two hours on Saturday morning at an average speed of 20 kilometres an hour if you've got a disease? Mm. So... Mm. Part of the process is physical. The exercise is physical, but the exercise is also mental. So I, um, uh, when I'm not injured, uh, I I aim to exercise in one shape, one way, shape, or form for a minimum ninety minutes a day. Quite often that's um, walking um, ten to fifteen thousand steps, uh, plus a little bit of bike riding. And on the weekend, it's you know a couple of hours on the bike, which just makes me feel really good. It, so that's that's mate, that's that's really where I'm at. Um, I, the, the good thing for me, and I, only I know this, because um, I know what I do. Um, I know what I tell people I do, but I also know what I actually do. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I know that if I've made this much progress doing what I've done, I've got I've got at least another fifty percent that I could that I could go. In terms of strictness, so if I if I get to the stage where it's not going in the right direction, I'm not about to jump on chemo. I'm just going to go. I'm double going to double down. down on what I'm doing. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I won't have I won't have that dark chocolate. I won't have that beer every now and then. Yeah. I won't have. Uh, I I only have uh, a couple of glasses of red wine a week, as opposed to maybe four or five or six. Yeah. You know, I know, I know I've got a margin in there and, 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 and that's a really nice buffer to have. So, mm. you know, I talk about I'm on plan A, I've got plan B up my sleeve and if plan B fails, I have plan C and C stands for chemotherapy. Uh, and that's and, and I'm quite happy with that. I, and I'm, I'm relaxed that, you know, I've got a safety net. I know if I fall overboard, I'm going to land right in the middle of one of those lifesaver bloody rings in my visualization world, and that's going to be that's going to be chemotherapy. And I'm really, really, really well prepared for it. If I'd have gone down the chemo path the day he wanted to start it, mm. I, it would have devastated me. Yeah, I wouldn't have coped with it. Uh, I mean, when, when when people say to me, "Oh, you're strong, you're tough, you're doing," it, I say, "No, I'm as weak as water because chemotherapy terrified me. Mm. I'm doing this because I was frightened." Yeah. Of chemotherapy, not because I'm tough. I yeah. was shit scared of it. Yeah. Because I see, because I see what it what it does to people. But now, I know everything I'm doing would minimise those side effects. So I, 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 you know, and the crispy cancer guy is, you know, it's the same story that you hear from everyone that that you get rushed into it. You've got your family and friends and whatever saying, oh, but you should be doing this because, and I, and I've got a really dear friend of mine. Uh, who died a year ago. Mm -hmm. um, in fact, it's pretty much a year ago today. In yeah. fact, it is a year ago today. Sorry to hear that. Um, who, um, she went down the chemo path purely because her kids and her family whatever, said, oh, you, mum, you got to do it. you got to do it. Um, well, she, we... and, she and she died. And it, didn't, it didn't work for her. She, you know, in hindsight, she'd have been happier. Not ha I mean, she coped with the chemo pretty well, but... Um, yeah, I, th I, th I think just don't be rushed. Um, seek multiple opinions. Read everything. Um, Whether it's, you know, have a chat with people like me and just say, well, you know, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a year behind you. What have you learned? Mm. Well, there, there is a propensity to defer to the authority on the subject, and it seems along yep. the along your path, um, as you've 
can't refer to them rather than defer to them and uh, got that information you've then gone and researched that you've balanced it out and um and I, and I, you know i've also heard that story of um i think the average um uh, doctors in the united states during their four-year course spends less than a week on uh, nutrition and food yeah well, um, yeah in, well in, in australia that's measured more in hours than weeks and, and which is remarkable given that a lot of your healing has come as a result of changing the uh, the chemistry of your body through what you consume. Um, and so where you've deferred to authority and uh, sought out its advice, and often cases it appears to me that you've seen that as a worst-case scenario and then looked to... Uh, uh, to uh, looked at the alternatives to find what felt right for you and, and in the application of that you've been uh, empowered by having your own plan and having a, an intrinsic understanding of it whereas people are deferring um, their, uh, to the authority running on somebody yep. else's plan and never quite sure as to what plan B or plan C might be and, um, and the stress and anxiety that that uh, can build for people can often lead them to becoming more ill, not better. Absolutely. Well, the, the first time I saw Dr. Tan, um, he offered me a chocolate. <laughs> I, I just sat there and looked at him. I said, mate, you're joking, aren't you? <laughs> so, well, no, he said, I, you know. Cheer you up. <laughs> you know, it's a gift. Make you happy. I said, mate, you, this is what I'm going to do with your chocolate. I got his chocolate and I, I chucked it across the room into his rubbish bin. I said, that's where chocolate belongs. <laughs> And the next time I go in there, he's got chocolate on his desk. I said, what are you doing with that bloody chocolate there? He said, oh, you know, my patients, give it to me. I said, mate, it's killing your patients and it'll kill you. Here, give it to me. <laughs> Put it in a rubbish bin. <laughs> I go to his office there, he says, no chocolate. I'm here, I'm here, the chocolate. But, but, that, but that's how bad it is. I mean, here's a thing that is absolutely bad for you when you well it's just bad for you full stop I mean dark chocolate you know I compromise I love I always loved chocolate now dark chocolate I've convinced myself it's good for me mm-hmm. and I think that's I, I think that helps as well if you convince something that's not entirely bad for you is good for you yep um, the, the other little trick that I do uh, to help get my body alkaline uh, and this is definitely don't overdo it because this stuff's not necessarily all that good for you um, is a, as a quarter of a teaspoon of carb soda uh, in water, half an hour before I eat, and mm-hmm. half an hour before I after after I eat. I don't do it all the time, but mm-hmm. I do it often. Carb soda is really good at just keeping your body alkaline. Alkaline, yeah. And finding a source of some kind of alkaline water. You know, for God's sake, don't drink tap water. That's got all manner of shit in it. It's not good for you. Yeah. And I never ever, I never ever drink tap water. Mm-hmm. I, will, I will drink seal bottle water if you know, but I won't. I won't drink tap water. Is that, is that the so, chlorine? So, yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, it's been, a, it's been a great journey. It's been a great learning journey. Um, I, I mean, I cop criticism for some people because I'm encouraging people not to, you know, take doctor's orders and go down the medical path and whatever. And I just consistently say, as I said to you, Dave, a while ago, I just encourage people to take responsibility for their own health and don't just give that responsibility away to someone else. And that's kind of what all of the success stories of cancer I hear. And there are... There are literally millions of people around the world like me who have done what I do. There are societies in the world who've never had a cancer problem because of their diet. There are mm. there are parts of the world known as the blue zones. Yes, the, the um, more people over where, the where, age of 100 than anywhere else. Is that correct? There are, there are societies where they don't even have a word in their language uh, in parts of Africa for things like Alzheimer's because it just doesn't exist. Um so the diet thing is just, uh, I mean, it can't be underrated. I mean, I don't say to anyone you need to be vegan, you need to be vegetarian, whatever. You just really need to cut back to a, to a minimum the amount of meat. I mean, you, you, look, at, you look back at history, uh, meat, meat was always a luxury. And in, in the Mediterranean diet, meat's pretty much a luxury. People might have it once a week, uh, whereas, you know, we've got to, like, daily mm. and, and, and processed meat. Mm. And, the, and the great thing now is there are some incredibly good uh, vegan alternatives. Yes. Uh, like vegan cheese. And, and <laughs> I mean, last night I made a magnificent, well, by my standards, I'm not the world's greatest <laughs> cook, but, you know, when, whenever you cook it yourself, it always tastes better. Yeah. Uh, 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 pasta, uh, spaghetti bolognese with spelt pasta. 
with uh, with corn meat, which is plant based, meat like substance. Yeah. And and organic um, uh, pasta sauce. Hmm. Uh, totally totally vegan, um, and it was great. Uh, my wife the other day gave me a packet of. Um, vegan cheese that's made out of some kind of plant thing so incredible the, the, so there's the some fantastic options path is, it, it really has really helped mm. um, you know when I started this process almost a year ago going to the supermarket and trying to find stuff was was nowhere near as easy as it is today I mean if, if you're looking for vegan alternatives um, they're really easy to find and, and when I say the, the reason I say vegan is <laughs> um I'm a great believer that dairy is is fundamentally bad for you. I, I went off cow's milk probably, I don't know, 10, 15, 20 years ago. Mm. Um, and I used to have asthma. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went off cow's milk and I don't I don't have asthma anymore. And, and, and it's a twofold thing. It's the, it's the I mean, the, 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 the classic with cow's milk is, you know, you're getting stuff out of a cow who's eaten grass and processed it into something. Well, why don't you just eat the bloody grass? <laughs> I mean, really? I mean, they, you know, all the animals that we eat, we feed them plants. We feed them plants, they process it, and then we carve them up and eat them. Yeah. I mean, when you, when you start thinking about that logic, it, you know, it really doesn't work. Mm. Um, but no, I'm, uh, I, you know, honestly, I, um, at my age, I don't think I could have more energy and enthusiasm than I have. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to the weather on Saturday, uh, my moon boot being off, mm-hmm. and I'm going to clock up two hours on the bike at a pretty fair speed for an old bloke. Um, so I, 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 with, with a plant-based diet, I'm mean, kind of just a wrap-up, I think mm-hmm. we both need to get going. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, with a plant-based diet, I say to people, try it for a week. Just spend a week and eat in meals, plant-based things that you enjoy. So you can convince yourself over a period of week you can survive on this diet. Mm. And then say, okay, I've survived for a week. Let's give it three weeks. I'll commit to another three weeks. I will guarantee you at the end of that fourth week, you'll have more energy, you'll feel better, and you'll be really comfortable about that kind of diet because I find it absolutely energising. The only problem I've got with the diet that I have, and I do a lot of intermittent fasting, I, I've, been, I've cut out breakfast, I yeah. rarely eat after um, 6 o'clock at night and yeah. um, never probably before about 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah, it's a good uh, window. That's really, easy, mm. that's really easy to do, in my opinion. Yeah. But I've, lo- but I've lost a bucket load of weight. Yeah. And I'm now too I'm now too bloody skinny and I'm not skinny <laughs> for any reason other than I simply don't eat enough. And I, I, yeah. maybe I'm just coming to terms with the fact that that's where I need to be. Yeah. Um, you know, because I actually sit right slap bang in the middle of the of the the uh, the, the BMI that I should be at. But yeah. it's just that we live in a society now where with due respect, there's so many fat people around. Yeah, um, you feel bad if you're not fat. It's the well, fat's the new norm, isn't it? And and uh, well, yeah, I mean, you know, you, honestly, you, you spend time down at the um, outpatient clinic at the Royal Adelaide, which is, you know, for me at one stage it was um, weekly or more. Now it's um, every couple of months, or that was boosted up by having a, the ankle thing as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and with due respect, there's just so many unhealthy-looking people in that bloody hospital. Mm. And, I, and, I, and they're not unhealthy because they've got a disease. They're unhealthy because of their lifestyle mm. uh, and their mindset. And it's just, um, I won't say it's depressing. It's its, it's frustrating. Yeah. I mean, I, I go there and there are people sitting in the waiting room for, you know, sometimes more than, well, more than an hour. Uh, while they're sitting there, generally I've blocked up a thousand, maybe a couple of thousand steps, just going round and round and up and down and round and round the passengers. Mm. Um, anyway, and it, and it does David, seem to it's been me lovely to talk to you. It has been. I know you you are very busy with uh, with new ventures. Innovation Absolutely. in the city um, is taking off. It's 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 not like moonshots. Moonshots. So moonshots. We're we're now into moonshot thinking. You know, if man can put if we can put man on the moon thirty or forty years ago, why the hell can't we do better than what we're doing? So we we're now talking to business about not improving your business by ten percent. We're talking about improving your business ten times. What can you do that makes your business explode ten times? That's exciting. You must stuff. come in here one day. We've got a, we've got a whole wall. The wall is about uh, 
I don't know, um, got to be uh, 10 metres long and 2 metres high, and it just has that whole saying about moonshot thinking on it. That's and and it all, great. and essentially that it's great that, to work in a positive space. Well, it, it would help on all manner of levels, yep. I'm sure. Yeah, and, yeah. And, absolutely. And Rick, um, uh, just to, to finalise uh, uh, or summarise, I guess our discussion today. You know, you, you've I, I know as much as you'd like the system to change, you're a big champion of um, people taking individual responsibility for for their illness um, and yep. um, and perhaps take some responsibility for uh, how they've treated their body in the past. But in acknowledging that, um, you're mm-hmm. almost halfway there because you're opening up a, a, a your mind to then the possibility that you could do better and not just simply accepting the fate that might be laid down for you in terms of treatment and the final end game uh, of the traditional system. Um, and, and if people ha- have friends or family um, or perhaps even themselves feel that they're, um, they're, they're in the midst of these challenges or perhaps just want to take an appropriate course of action to mitigate the chances of uh, them ever finding themselves in the same set of circumstances you have over recent times, what was that website once again that people can go to? Um, cancerisanopportunity.com. Sorry, cancerisanopportunity.com. Cancerisanopportunity.com. So jump on there, uh, follow the Facebook page as well, and keep up to date uh, with all of that information. It, re- it really is life changing on a fundamental level, and I'd encourage anybody that's going through these challenges or who doesn't want to to learn more and jump on uh, the site and the Facebook page and learn more there. So thanks so much, Rick. I know mate, you are mate, super mate, just, busy. Just in closing, that you've just touched on the real point there. There is no way, re- there is no reason in the world that any man should ever die of prostate cancer because you should never let it get to the stage that I got it to. It's too easy. It is. This is one of the most preventable diseases of all times. If you have the tests regularly, um, you know, the blood tests for PSA and whatever is a fair indicator, and if you're having a blood test for PSA and your number is going up, then you need to very soon, you know, maybe when you get to 12 or 14 or 20, mm. um, have a biopsy. Well, and, um, it, and it was after chatting to you um, that you said it's no longer the finger um, in the bum. Yep. It is now the blood test that I went down and did mine because, uh, and in talking to friends, that was uh, uh, one of the uh, the issues, but there is a blood test available. Uh, the, the, you don't need to uh, go through that uncomfortable process. Um, you can uh, get the blood test done and reveal the results to you, show you where out and get get it done. No excuses. And, and, and if you do all enough of the dietary things, and one of the key one of the key dietary things is cooked tomatoes. If you like cooked tomatoes and you like tomato paste, put ta- get two tablespoons of tomato paste a day, Daniel. That's a great preventer of prostate cancer. That's scientifically proven. That's fantastic. What a what a fantastic little hack to end the the podcast, Rick. Mm-hmm. Th- thank you very much once okay. again. Thanks, Dave. Thanks for your time. Thanks. I appreciate it. Thank you. Bye. Bye. This episode was brought to you by www.cancerisanopportunity.com. Thanks for tuning in again to this episode of the Dave Sovereign Podcast. Please follow us on Facebook or subscribe to us on iTunes and we look forward to bringing you more next week.